hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me as always is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I'm ready to talk uh, some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan. But before we get too into it, there was something I had some thoughts on that I just wanted to bring up really quick before we get into the meat of the show. Um, on our last uh, Would You Rather, you know, this reoccurring thing that keeps coming up is this idea of Lord of the Rings as a um, as a Hamilton-inspired Broadway show. And for whatever reason, that stuck with me from last week to this one, from the, from the Would You Rather to now. And I had some ideas for the friends out there that are thinking about making this a reality. I have a couple different ideas that I wanted to bounce off of them. So when they go to make it, you know, that they have some things to consider here. There's more reasons why it would be a good idea. I'll do it very quickly if you're up for it. I'm ready. Okay, so there's a song called My Shot, right? Where where the mm-hmm. Hamilton guy's like, no, I'm not giving away my shot. But instead... I think okay. it's I'm not throwing away my shot. Oh, okay. <laughs> Either way, I didn't actually see Hamilton's confession. But <laughs> well, this makes you the perfect person. So <laughs> what you do instead is you go to that scene of the Fellowship of the Ring with Frodo and Bilbo, and Frodo's like, the ring is still in your pocket. And then Bilbo can be like, no, I'm not giving away my ring i'm not giving away my (laughs) ring and then you can have the reprieve at the end with this might be light spoilers for lord of the rings if you so plug your ears for like five seconds but when frodo's at you know the edge of mount doom and he's gonna toss the ring into the fire you do like the reprival and it's the same song but in a different context now frodo he's like i'm not giving away my ring (laughs) and then sam's like no you know very dramatic moment so that's very good that's pretty good right then you have the song the room where it happens but it could be the council of elrond right because that's the room where it happens who's singing it um (laughs) mary and pippin (laughs) (laughs) right before they sneak in you know something like that could be cool uh so that's another thing to consider and then my last one is um they have a song where it's like, it must be nice to have Washington on your side, right? That's the song. Yeah. But instead, it's, it must be nice to have Gandalf on your side. <laughs> it could potentially be like a... Who's singing that? Um, The orcs, maybe. Like, you have like a sympathy piece for the enemy <laughs> or like, you know, maybe, um, um, you know, you could have like one of the leaders of gondor or something say it as they come in you know there's a couple options there but maybe it's worm tongue <laughs> yeah worm worm tongue also yeah if they want to do like a character piece on worm tongue it could be like lamenting it you know yeah. but before he like throws the palantir or something like that so yeah just wanted to these were thoughts that came up to me throughout the week that i was like i, I gotta say this on air so <laughs> that, yeah so more reasons why it would be a perfect combination and so Get to work, friends. You have some ideas. And, uh, yeah, curious to see what you guys do with it. And that's my piece that I have about the Hamilton version of Lord of the Rings. You call it Frodo or something. <laughs> I did have a friend in my personal life mention to me that after listening to our Would You Rather episode, he <laughs> thought that our idea was good with the I hamilton so style and you could keep it musical. very tight on you know yeah. one character and just tell their story you can't tell all the other stories it's too much story 
But it would be interesting. It would be good. So anyway, that's my piece on that, um, which brings us to the meat of today's episode, which is our return of the character series, something we haven't done in a while, but we're bringing it back. Uh, this is where we just kind of spotlight characters across fantasy that we like or want to talk about today. And today's topic for our character series is uh, it is villains and slash antagonists. So uh, that's where we are. <laughs> <laughs> right. We did protagonists. Uh, we did protagonists in our last ones. So this felt like a natural extension of that. And we decided. I know in the past we've called it like favorite protagonists mm-hmm. or things like that. We've decided to move a little bit away from that language because it's just too hard to narrow down two or three characters each that are our favorite or that we think are the best necessarily. It's more like we might do this multiple times, talk about great antagonists and villains. And this is the first time we're talking about that, but it might not be the last. And we have four really awesome antagonists to chat about today. That's right. And yeah, because we're enthusiasts overall and to say like, these are the best like villains in all of fantasy it's like oh, come on these are just villains that we wanted to talk about today you know like yep. interesting connections parallels you know they personify a particular trait really well and that's what these character series are and well we can go back and do more villains and there's so many really good villains out there in the world of fantasy we just had to pick two each today to, to get through uh, so these are kind of like spotlight characters like give mm-hmm. those characters a little time to shine on the show and then you know we'll, we'll come back to to our buddy reads. But um, would you like to start with a character? Do you want me to start? Do you have a preference? Well, I do think I know who your characters are going to be already, and I think that I'd like you to get one of them out of the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I'll also mention we're likely to. Maybe this will be the the second two characters we talk about. Uh, have Game of Thrones spoilers, Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire spoilers through maybe four books is what we're expecting, or four seasons is right. what we're expecting here. So maybe we'll cover those two last. And okay, so yeah, there is some light Game of Thrones. Well, actually decent game of thrones spoilers for books one through four seasons one through four so if you haven't seen or read game of thrones but you're interested uh, maybe when we start bringing up those characters um turn away we'll bring them up last but otherwise we're all we're all set for our other characters so we'll, we'll do those first and i'll do mine first i guess um so this one is kind of an unusual pick um we're talking about Harry Potter, right? Harry Potter is a series that I grew up with and I'm a huge fan of. And, you know, there's so many great characters and scenery and creatures in Harry Potter, but there's one character that has always stuck with me. And it's kind of an exception to this traditional villain role. Like, okay, yeah, there's Voldemort, all right? But it's not Voldemort. There's a lot to like about him, but he's almost like, you know, over-the-top villain, he talks to snakes, he laughs while he kills people, he kills his you know, henchmen, all that. So you're like, yeah, 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 classic villain stuff. But there's one character in Harry Potter that is a villain and an antagonist. And 
it's because of their just how ordinary they are. And I'm talking about Professor Umbridge. We all might have had a Professor Umbridge in our lives, a teacher or a coworker or a boss who's just so they make you go they're just so kind of petty right there's this pettiness to them there's this like abuse of power to them they like will enjoy these little moments to like put you down and have a smile while they do it all of these little petty pleasures that umbridge derives from having power over others especially harry um is what makes her like that most irksome of a villain uh i think you know i have this quote from Stephen King, who reviewed Order of the Phoenix back in 2003, and he said, The gently smiling Dolores Umbridge, with her girlish voice, toad-like face, and clutching stubby fingers, is the greatest make-believe villain to come along since Hannibal Lecter. One needn't be a child to remember the really scary teacher, the one who terrified us so badly that we dreaded the walk to school in the morning, and we turn the pages partly in fervent hopes that she will get her comeuppance, but also in growing fear of what will what she will get up to next. For surely a teacher capable of banning Harry Potter from playing Quidditch is capable of anything. And that is why <laughs> Professor Umbridge is my, one of my first pick for um, like antagonist villain spotlight well charles i think you're far from alone in feeling this way about umbridge yep i see all over the internet people hate umbridge and they think that she's a very strong villain (laughs) and antagonist uh she doesn't really fit what i look for (laughs) too much in villains or antagonists what i look for the most tends to be these pieces of having logical motivations that make sense, especially given their history or stuff like that. If you're going to go all in on someone is a really like messed up person who's doing all these things that are pretty sinister, then I just want some sense of why they are the way they are. You know, I'm a psych guy. Yeah, yeah. We know you like the grim, like, dark stuff and the more like motivational, characteristic driven stuff. And I, I know that. But for me, Professor Umbridge, the experience of reading her back in 2003 has stuck with me today. You know, then that's what makes her so good. And that's why she has this like cult following of people who mm-hmm. are listing their best villains she always comes up on the threads and at the bottom of the lists and things like that because of the way she makes you feel when you read these moments that she's in she's a small person given just enough power to be petty and smug and like put the protagonist in this case Harry Potter in these like really unfair moments and that combination of stuff just makes you so irksome and it sticks with you in such a way that you're like, oh, this, she might not be like scheming to take over the kingdom or whatever, but she is that character that we're all kind of familiar with, that smug, petty person, almost like a Karen, right, <laughs> of the Harry Potter world. It's like, oh, you make me so, like, she just gets to you in a way that like a traditional like Voldemort, it's like, well, Voldemort is just a bad dude he's a cool villain but it's like Voldemort whereas Umbridge is just that person that you could know you know it's part of your everyday life and and I think she's a fantastic 
character, even in Harry Potter, she stands out as one of the more impactful ones. Like it's always a sign of a good character when it just like you get bothered reading those moments. It's like, oh, it's so unfair. How oh, it's so petty. You know, it's like those moments are so rare to achieve for an author. That's just a great, great character. There's something to be said for any character that makes people feel that strongly about them. <laughs> yeah. I think there is, with both the characters you chose, Charles, there's a love to hate them kind of yes. <laughs> cult following that goes on behind these characters. And Umbridge people rally behind their strong emotions yeah. and strong negative emotions should i just get to my umbridge. second character because look we're talking about the connections here but do you yeah. want to do your character or well let me do my character because i i think he will do a good job of illustrating what i really like okay. when i'm because there is a thread between my two which we'll get back to but to keep sure. the spoiler free stuff in the front you can do your you can do your other character well, Oh, I was going to go with oh. uh, Tywin. Oh, okay. Was, then, okay. Go yeah. for it then. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, let me go back to what I was saying about how my favorite antagonists, they have a perspective on the world that you might not agree with. Their methods, you might not agree with those either. But you can understand them and why they are the way they are, why they do the things that they do. You don't have to like it. You don't have to think they're right, but you get it. And I think that Tywin Lannister from Game of Thrones and Song of Ice and Fire is an amazing character by these standards. He's very clearly an antagonist. He opposes what are our uh, protagonists, especially in the Starks. Uh, and he is a character defined not by his desire to squash our protagonists in the way that I feel like like that seems to be Umbridge's main goals, honestly, most of the time. And <laughs> even Voldemort's. It's just like, let's destroy the protagonist and maybe the world when it comes to Voldemort. Umbridge is like, let's just destroy the protagonist. She's just out there doing that. It's not clear why. Um, but Tywin is out there in pursuit of family legacy. That's what he cares about. And the Starks, our main protagonists early on in Game of Thrones, are just in his way of doing that. And we get why he makes the choices he makes when we understand his pursuit of family legacy. He has this great quote, your mother is dead, before long I'll be dead, then you and your brother and your sister and all of her children, all of us dead, all of us rotting in the ground. It's the family name that lives on. It's all that lives on. Not your personal glory, not your honor, but family. The future of our family will be determined in these next few months. We can establish a dynasty that will last a thousand years, or we can collapse into nothing as the Targaryens did. So that's a pretty famous quote that talks about where Tywin is coming from. But we also get to hear why he's coming from there. And we have a quote in which uh, we hear from actually Kevin Lannister about uh, Tywin's father, Titus Lannister, who was kind-hearted but ineffectual as a leader of House Lannister. So we get this perspective from Kevin. Tywin seems a hard man to you, 
but he's no harder than he's had to be. Our own father was gentle and amiable, but so weak his bannermen mocked him in their cups. Uh, <laughs> some saw fit to defy him openly. Other lords borrowed his gold and never troubled to repay it. At court, they japed of toothless lions. It fell to Tywin to restore House Lannister to its proper place, just as it fell to him to rule this realm when he was no more than twenty. He bore that heavy burden for twenty years, and all it earned him was a mad king's envy. Instead of the honor he deserved, he was made to suffer slights beyond count. Yet he gave the Seven Kingdoms peace, plenty, and justice. He is a just man. And That's a I quote. love that history of Tywin as someone who has basically grown up in an environment where he's like, all of this legacy, all of this stuff that we've built over so, so long, centuries, from the Lannister line can be destroyed by one ineffectual leader who doesn't realize how fragile this is. And Tywin came to be someone who values legacy because he realizes it's fragile and it's all we really have in the end mm. yeah no that's that's great i just want to for all you like fans that have seen every episode of the show i find the quote that you said from tywin the collapse into nothing to be very interesting <laughs> when he's talking about his family line so that was a fun little Thing there oh, for yeah, all you for all you uh, show fans out there that have seen I never connected that <laughs> I, I just, when you said it I was like oh clever um, so who knows George is certainly capable of that kind of thing but um, mm-hmm. yeah so and look we've n- lifelong friends right we've been talking fantasy for many years especially Game of Thrones so it was no surprise to me that when it comes time to pick a villain slash protagonist slash protagonist antagonist. being oh antagonist slash antagonist being the key um, qualifier there, you you went to Tywin because I know you as the kind of guy that likes to pick the characters that are kind of justifiable in their characterization and aren't just like the big bad. They're not like the Dark Lord Sauron or Voldemort. It's like here's a character driven by like the world they're in, the setting they're in, the character that they have, the personality that they have, the environment that they were in. And they're not exactly the villain. Like you can make a case that the Starks are just as villainous as the Lannisters. They both want the same thing and are fighting each other. Like who's really the good guy? Who's really the bad guy in Game of Thrones? It's hard to say. But Tywin is definitely the antagonist to most of the characters in the story, right? We tend to root for the Starks over the Lannisters. But Game of Thrones does an exceptionally good job of, like, there's no good or bad. There's no, like, um, Gandalf versus Sauron. It's all complicated and it all depends on your environment and, who you came and where you came from and who you are as a person. And it's no surprise to me that you went to Game of Thrones and, and why you picked Tywin. Tywin's one of the greatest characters in all of fantasy. And this is the second time we're talking about him, actually, right? Didn't we bring him up in the best characters? I think you spoke about Tyrion and we couldn't help but talk about his relationship to <laughs> yeah. Tywin. Right, because he's yeah. so, so good. And his he gets a lot of the best lines in game of thrones and i think you said it better than i ever could of, of what makes um Tyrion such a great antagonist it's tywin it, tywin it's i'm all over the place it's his it's his um you know desire for 
like preserving the legacy of his family and he could all the stuff he kind of has to put up with within his own family and he the fact that he perseveres through all of it and the entire time he was this strong patriarchal figure it was what makes him such a great character and it's a fantastic protagonist one of the best and i also antagonist. i'm ant- long day oh of recording gosh. here Charles. antagonist <laughs> yeah we've been recording for hours so better example but he's a protag he's you know i root for him sometimes i'm a fan of him <laughs> he does some unsavory things but who doesn't in that show charles i part of what i want to say and you you touched on this some already he is He's ruthless. He's willing to do things that are pretty unsavory, messed up, <laughs> as are many other characters across the board in Game of Thrones. Uh, he's ruthless. He's Machiavellian. The ends justifies the means for him. And he does some pretty messed up things, especially to his son. Like his family to him is much more of an idea than it is actual relationships with people yeah. which you can see from that quote where he's like we are all going into the ground eventually <laughs> for someone that loves legacy he's going. not afraid to uh use yeah. his children as just tools but i mean despite not being as just outright villainous as someone like voldemort or even in some ways umbridge i i guess uh, he gives us one of the most shocking and gut-wrenching moments, not just in Game of Thrones or Song of Ice and Fire, and this is definitely a spoiler if you haven't read those books or watched the show. Oh, he he is the one responsible for the Red Wedding. I mean, he goes, orchestrates all of this with all the letters he's been writing the whole time, and he explains his perspective on this moment that crushed so many fantasy fans maybe more than any other moment in all of fantasy where he says explain to me why it is more noble to kill 10,000 men in battle than a dozen at dinner and when I say we have someone here who even if he caused us this much pain and he did things that we think are messed up it's hard not to hear that perspective and think uh okay I get where you're coming from there this was ruthless and messed up but also you may have spared lives yeah for sure that machiavellian aspect of him is so prevalent and yeah just a great example of this kind of antagonist like he did some horrible things but contextualize it in that look war would have been way worse (laughs) so it's like i uh uh, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to think of like how villainous is he? Like this idea of a traditional villain versus just how how he's willing to compete. There's that, and he another like aspect of his character that like a traditional Voldemort like villain wouldn't have is this. You know, he has he does show respect for people that can like be up to his level in terms of like intelligence and political navigation and even like like the moments where he's with Arya and Arya establishes some semblance of like intelligence and like they're kind of on the same wavelength and Tywin's like amused by it and and kind of confides in her a little bit and they have this banter and it's almost like a humanizing piece to him and that is why I'm 
not surprised you picked this character because of how humanized and justified he is in a lot of his actions. He's not like a Voldemort where it's like, oh, my skin's gray and I speak snake. <laughs> like, I'm just evil dude. It's like, no, I'm just a dude. Like, I like things and don't like other things and I do good things sometimes and bad things sometimes. And it's just the condition of our environment that's brought me here, you know, so. And it's character. so much more interesting for me to grapple with the the more human side that we see of Tywin around people like Arya or even just how he relates to Elena Tyrell and has that kind of respect for her. Yes. <laughs> while also remembering that this is a guy who gave those absolutely brutal orders to the mountain that set the Martells and Oberyn against him. So yeah. he's capable of such horrible atrocities, but he's also justified in other things and has I mean think of the atrocities to Tyrells it, it did you know sure. it's like there and that's the thing about Game of Thrones right so um that leads, leads me into my uh mm-hmm. Game of Thrones character another Lannister so I'm talking about <laughs> like so there I talked about there was like a kind of a bridging theme between Professor Umbridge and my next character which yes. is like okay this will be interesting. So the connection is and I'll, as I lead into the introduction of this character is this idea of like this kind of sadistic villainy, you know, like what makes a a villain slash antagonist right it's like okay there's characters that are morally gray and do bad things but you can humanize with them or whatever and then there's characters that you love to hate and there's no character in game of thrones that got more love hate than the own uh, joffrey baratheon um man what a character so you have the son of king robert and cersei heir wow. to the throne Right, but secretly a product of incest between Cersei and her twin brother Jamie, and then after Cersei plotted to have Robert, her husband, killed, Joffrey ascended to the throne, and thanks to his relationship with everyone in his family, including Tywin, he was able to just his reign was just marked by cruelty, foolishness. Like he did horrible, horrible things. And even leading up to that point, right? Like the first couple episodes of the show, he, you know, accuses the dire wolf of violence and demands it be put to death. And they killed the dire wolf and they killed the butcher boy, the poor butcher boy. And you wow. were just like, so that unjust unfairness of it all. It's harkens to some of the things Professor Umbridge had done, but Joffrey's a whole nother level of what he's capable of. And Lady and the Butcher's Boy were just the beginning. Once he gets power, he turns into this just purely evil character who's totally sadistic. And he is like being like, Oh, Sansa, you're my love as long as your father bends the knee he'll be fine nope that's not the case so you hate him just on top of that plus he's just a smug brat in the first place so this idea of villainy rooted in just the love to hate and no one is more justified to love to hate than uh than than joffrey um and it's hard to say like it's just basically all of his actions his 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 tyranny and um he makes Sansa look at Ned Stark's lopped off head. You know, all these like you can get into the really 
gritty details of it. But when you compare him to someone like Tywin, you know, Tywin's a great antagonist because of how rounded and gray and lived in his character is. Joffrey's a great villain because of how evil and sadistic he is and how much he unites the fan base against him. You know, you, you see this smug brat on the throne and already you hate him because he comes from this like privileged background. And then to top it all off, he has no redeeming qualities about him. He's sadistic and conniving and and he's not even that like clever in the things he does. He's just rampantly like doing foolish things and that's what makes him such a great character great villain that's also well said charles i think the distinction between villain and antagonist can sometimes seem gray but differentiating between uh, joffrey and tywin i think helps us understand why those are two different terms while they're both antagonists it's a lot easier to just squarely fit Joffrey into the category of villain and mm. he's a lot more chaotic evil than yeah. <laughs> really is Tywin Roose Bolton kind of has some of those elements oh as yeah well. <laughs> big time and, they're both sadistic yeah <sighs> people <laughs> so I mean Joffrey I do like Joffrey more than I like Umbridge as a character. Me too. <laughs> probably for two reasons. I think one is I was never as big a Harry Potter fan as others, so I don't have that same emotional attachment that others do. And also, I find Joffrey, we get more of an understanding of how he ended up the way that he is, because we know his parents. Yes. So maybe I... <laughs> All three of them. And we, (laughs) to my knowledge, don't get a ton, at least in the main Harry Potter books, on where Umbridge came from and why she is the way that she is. I did watch a video on this where apparently there was some turmoil in the household, but it's something that's a lot more clear when you know Cersei, you know the kind of things that she was trying to drill into Joffrey's head you know that he had a father who was not really involved at all and didn't really yeah give him the time of day and he's kind of just left to be raised by a pretty sadistic person himself and yeah it's herself i mean and it's it's not shocking that he ends up at least having some of the tendencies that he does. He goes a little further than you'd expect. He does get into shocking territory. (laughs) Yeah. But he's also a child is the thing too, where it's, I think clear that he is just someone who is not mature enough. In addition to being sadistic. Never told no, because he's the king and all this other stuff. Exactly. Pampered, privileged. And then so, combine that with his like sociopathic tendencies. It's a yeah. recipe for disaster. Makes him a great villain. I have some great quotes with him and Tywin too. Two short ones. Mm. So Joffrey says to um, to Tyrion, I am the king. I will punish you. And then Tywin says, any man who must say I am the king is no true king. Which, beautiful. And then um, 
oh, then this was here's one with Tyrion and Joffrey. Tyrion goes, "Oh, you blind, bloody fool! We've had vicious kings and we've had idiot kings, but I don't know if we've ever been cursed with a vicious idiot for a king." They threw a cow pie at you, so you decided to kill them all. They're starving, you fool! All because of a war you started. And Joffrey said, "You're talking to a king." And the Tyrion slaps him. It's like, and now I've struck a king. Did my hand fall from my wrist? You know, so it's like. These great moments of Joffrey being like tossed around. He's just like this bratty, villainous force that when you let him decide, he just causes destruction. And it's heartbreaking sometimes, the the things that he does and chooses to do. And the destruction in his wake goes well beyond his <laughs> his time on Earth. <laughs> so It definitely does, Charles. And that love-to-hate phenomenon is very real. I remember watching the... This is definitely a spoiler too. Season four, episode nine, I think it. Oh no, that's it's early. It's like episode three or something like that. The purple wedding, uh, <laughs> where Joffrey ends up getting poisoned, and when he's dying, we're watching a kid dying on screen. Me and a bunch of my friends, and everyone starts cheering. <laughs> and I was like, I can't believe I'm. This is happening right now because we are all feeling happy that this evil force is finally out and the way. And it's not a pleasant coupled... death either. He's no. like turning purple and bloated and in agonizing pain, choking. Yeah, and the instant reaction given everything he's done, it's not surprising that people feel joy, but then there's this piece that's kind of lingering in, in the back of our heads when we're watching it where it's like, oh my God, this is a child turning purple and dying. And George does remind you of that as do the show uh the showrunners when they eventually do away with joffrey so uh, i think he's certainly very villainous without any redeeming qualities but we still get that depth of characterization and you get that reaction when you experience him in the story like oh mm-hmm. you <laughs> so it's like yeah. another when we talked about umbridge is like anytime you can read a character and get that visceral reaction is an accomplishment for the author and like i mean there was a worldwide phenomenon to like be bothered by joffrey so yes like and then it's also his performance as well i'm not sure of the actor's name but man he did a absolutely terrific job he made us all love to hate him in ways that very few actors have ever done so um really great it's jack gleason oh that's right so gleason, to jack that. gleason so jack gleason um fantastic and that's and that's my piece on joffrey all right well after dealing with some very familiar characters to most fantasy fans and Umbridge, Joffrey, and Tywin. I have one that might be a little less familiar. Obviously, big in the graphic novel or comics scene Mm -hmm. because it's from Saga, a very, very famous graphic novel by Brian K. Vaughn and artist Fiona Staples. And I'm choosing a character named The Will. I I absolutely flipping love The Will. (laughs) Yes. Way to keep our clean rating there, Charles. So the Will is one of my favorite characters, probably just in general, that I've consumed from any media. He, 
I guess I should say what Saga is. Saga is a space opera that follows our protagonists, Lana and Marco, two runaway former soldiers from Warring Planets who fell in love and had a baby. As they are from different species, the child, Hazel, has the potential to be a sort of symbol of peace between the two planets, and neither planet wants peace. So immediately, these pretty normal people end up embroiled in this intergalactic uh, war where they are enemies of both states pretty much and the will is someone who from the earliest issue uh, is hired on he ends up getting involved because he's a freelancer which is basically a bounty hunter and he and his trusty sidekick lying cat a cat that says the word lying whenever someone lies around her, are hired to kill our protagonists, very squarely placing him in what we'd expect in an antagonist role. So pretty early on, we're told he's he's not a good guy. There's a bad dude. Uh, We have Hazel, who's the narrator, of the series, looking back on these things, uh, points out in the first, I guess this is probably first issue or at least first volume. Yes. Uh, the Will wasn't the first bounty hunter to come after my parents, and he wasn't the last. Like every freelancer, I had the misfortune to eventually meet. He was a effing monster, but as my family was about to learn, some monsters are worse than others. And <laughs> they actually say the word. I just also trying to keep our clean rating Censored here. It. <laughs> yeah, so that's getting at part of what I like so much about the Will is he's very clearly shown that this is a bad, bad dude, this antagonist, but he has these elements to him where he's not our typical bad guy chasing down and trying to kill the protagonist. He has a moral compass, and he's also willing to try to hold that at the same time as trying to do his job as a freelancer. So while agreeing to take the job to kill parents and take their child back alive to these really sinister people who hired him, he's already lamenting the idea that people would even bring a child into a messed up world (laughs) like the one he's in. So he's like, yeah, this is a terrible thing I'm doing. Why would anyone bring a child into a world which has people like me in it? And he's also pretty early on, so I don't think this is a spoiler, uh, is like heroically risking his life to try to save a child from slavery. But then in the process of doing that, he's brutally making a person's head explode that uh, will be pretty reminiscent to any Game of Thrones fans (laughs) who have watched through season four and have watched the (laughs) Viper against the Mountain. So he gets all this attention where we follow him in the way that would be pretty much the equivalent of a point of view character in a typical fantasy novel. Mm -hmm. And we see him deal with all these very real emotions and consequences in the face of loss and tragedy. And we come to sympathize with the will and understand him in ways that sometimes make us forget how bad a dude he really is. And we're pretty much asked to hold that the will is a person capable of really horrible things and who intends to do horrible things to our protagonist while also acknowledging that he has the capacity to do really admirable things. I think this is what makes him such a truly incredible, well-rounded depiction of what an antagonist can be. Very well said. Saga is one for, 
I can't stress this enough to all you fantasy fans listening in that have not heard of this. Saga is one of my favorite, just straight up stories of all mm-hmm. stories. It is amazing. It's brilliant. If you don't like comic books, but you like fantasy, try the first volume anyway. It is exceptional. And a huge part of that is this character of the will. He's so interesting. Much like Game of Thrones has these morally gray characters, like who's the real villain here? You do get a bit of that. I mean, the will is obviously a bad dude. He takes money to hunt down families and the like. Mm -hmm. But he goes through so many character arcs that almost are like these redemption kind of arcs that you like him as a character he's very likable he saves a child from slavery as you said he falls in and out of love he um you know has you know in and outs with his family he has very touching moments where he shows a breadth of compassion that you wouldn't have expected from him you really start to open up to him as a as a character you know as the nut starts to crack you know his hard exterior of this hardened bounty hunter into more of who he is as a person you get to know him so well and Mm -hmm. that's what makes his moments of violence so shocking i mean the first thing you hear when you see him it's like he's not only is he an effing monster but he's like the worst so you're like oh this guy's bad news but you like him you like the people he's around he builds a nice troop around him of people he gives up on the case and goes back and forth on it multiple times and how he continues to get involved with them it almost becomes less of like oh i was hired to kill you now it just becomes we're all this thing is such a mess now this this war is so complicated and has driven all of us into it and we're all jumbled around and it's just got so messy and how his violent background comes into the mess of this whole thing is so interesting and it makes it at moments shocking heartbreaking touching it's a really great choice for a villain or antagonist that is so so (laughs) true charles i i completely agree i feel like you do that saga is just one of the best stories with some of the best characters hard stop like end of sentence and i i was interested to hear how you interpreted that line i read as so the last bit is but as my family was about to learn some monsters are worse than others which i've always thought is very open-ended as to what is the will a monster who is better than most monsters or is he a monster that is worse than any other monsters because and i think you're supposed to take it as kind of open-ended and we don't know yet because it's so early on in the series that we hear that line and you can kind of jump back and forth as you see right. the whale i would say the answer his... to that question would be it's complicated yes <laughs> right it's like there's moments where he is the worst and there's moments where he's not and it's just the reality of war which is what they're in right now it's like at any given moment he could be pulled in any different way and who knows how it's gonna go down and he's done some of the worst things he's done some very redeeming things and it's what makes him so good you know and it's it's true that it's not he's not maybe the worst but 
He certainly can be at times. And I think that's a he huge part be. of what this yeah. show is about. The show does not put any character. Uh, the novel. graphic novel does not shoehorn a character into any like thing for too long. The characters are constantly changing and fluxing and going in and out of roles in the story. It's like, whoa. It, it's amazing how, how it how it happens. Like not every character is good all the time. You know, they go they have their ins and outs. Just like any relationship you would have in the real world it's so honest in this crazy fantasy space story but um the will is just one of the stronger characters in the sh- in a in a thing of full of strong characters <laughs> that he is uh, i'm glad that we got another opportunity to talk about saga because yep. it's so good charles yep. alana came up in our favorite yes. characters just hard stop uh and back way early in the show's <laughs> lifespan like a third episode yeah, it's like something. our third episode and uh, i've always been a champion for saga kind of goes a little bit out of the realm of what we typically cover on friends talking fantasy but it is such a core part of our enthusiasm for storytelling that it will it will continue to come up <laughs> i'm sure it will all right. Well, I'm pretty satisfied with where we're at. Anything you want to say about our favorite, not our favorite, but spotlight villains and <laughs> characters, great villains and characters? Uh, I'm just ready to hear f- <laughs> <laughs> characters like antagonists. Hello. <laughs> I don't know why I can't get just, that straight. I'm just ready to hear from any of our listeners if I'm, they have any thoughts on the villains and antagonists that we spoke about today and if they want to reach out to us to chat about any other villains or antagonists that they love or love to hate then they can reach out to us and if you get that outro music pumping there Let's charles get that sweet then music pumping. i can let them know that they can reach us at the ftf podcast at gmail.com they can also follow us on a variety of social media platforms such as facebook and instagram where we are the ftf podcast they can also find us mostly me on twitter under the ftf podcast one that's with the number one at the end we weren't able to quite get the at the ftf podcast hard stop on twitter but that doesn't stop us from tweeting out a storm i'm usually i'm trying to be pretty active on there so that's a great place to reach us you can also find our website the fdfpodcast.com that should keep you up to date with anything that we're doing and toss five stars to our podcast toss five stars if to our podcast guys like it if you like yeah. it yep if you like saga reach out i'll i can talk saga all day long so all you saga <laughs> enthusiasts come find me we will talk all day long um yep google us find us interact with us any way you can we'd love to hear from you thank you all for listening and as always go forth and conquer friends